Welcome to the Evolved Nest. We talk about child development, human flourishing, morality, and society. You're welcome to follow us at www.evolvednest.org. My name is Mary Tarsha, and I'm here with Dr. Darsha Narvais. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Today, we are talking about moral fitness. So, what is moral fitness? I think it's important to understand that we are moral becomings, Hmm. not moral beings, so that we're always working on our moral fitness. Now, some of us have more fitness than others. If we had a good family life, good early beginning, no trauma, we are going to be better able to get along with others without getting all self-focused. Yeah, so... Really like it to be. You talk about this in your 2014 book, and you have a wonderful quote right at the beginning: "Listening and learning to be a gift." Right. Yeah. So I think that's what morality is about, or virtue is about, is being yourself in a way that's helpful to others, that fosters flourishing for all. Hmm. So in that way, that's really a definition of moral fitness, of knowing that it's a process of both learning and listening and the concept of gift and gratitude of receiving and giving. That's right. So if we talk about how do we re-energize or grow our moral fitness, re-energize our humanity, our fullness, uh, there's a lot of things we can do. And in this chapter, I talk about a number of them. There's more. But uh, at least here's a sampling of what you can do. And it's important to realize that our perception matters, that how we take perspectives matter. So in schools now, we focus our kids on a very, on the kind of categorical way of thinking, the categorical mindset. It's left hemisphere driven. So we want them to focus in on the details, you know, and get them perfect. And it's uh, very related to linear thinking and sequential understanding of things and causes and explanations. That's one way to come into a situation. And if you do come into a situation You meet somebody and you want to just categorize them. That's that kind of thinking. Unfortunately, if you start that way, it's really hard to shift to the other way of thinking, which is the more moral or virtuous way of thinking, which is to be open, to not judge and categorize what you're facing, but see the beauty and the energy and the uniqueness because every situation is unique. And so you're trying now as a moral, for moral fitness, it's your ability to be relaxed, be present to what's new, what's beautiful, what's there to be connected to and to be, you know, in the dance of life. And so that you have to practice that way of perceiving and the way of entering situations. And you can do that any time. But uh, doing meditative and kind of deep breathing exercises and visualizations can help you learn to do that better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you make that connection right from the beginning about moral fitness and how it's connected with human flourishing, with your own flourishing. And so as I'm listening to you describe those things, you know, it's a place of um, being more flexible and fluid and aware and, and all of these things, how th- those are really intric- intricately connected to That's flourishing right. and development. Yes, and it's being more fully human, really, to reach your full potential. Mm-hmm. Yep, Absolutely. And so can we talk about a little bit about the process of awakening these things, of awakening that human essence? Yes, and I, I label this developmental, ethical, ecological practice, deep 
<laughs> How's that for an acronym? <laughs> okay, DEEP. What does DEEP uh, rely on? Well, and what does it uh, entail? Well, there's several uh, steps that I point out that you can take up in order to foster your moral fitness. These are developmental, and so it takes a while. You know, you go step by step, inch by inch, and, and, and sometimes a few inches backwards uh, as you help yourself learn to be more morally fit, more virtuous, more in the moment, more compassionate, more attuned. And so one of the things, one of the really important things is to have a mentor or multiple mentors. These don't have to be real-life people. It could be authors of books that could be people uh, in a video, I suppose, if you follow um, a set of practices that they, they give you um, the guidance you need for the moment. And actually, I think sometimes just walking down the street and saying hello to someone and having a conversation, you can get guidance from that too. So I think that because uh, I kind of go right hemisphere on my view of the world, everything's connected and you can get information anywhere, <laughs> really, for your self-development. And I think mentoring can come across from strangers as well. I remember a story you one time told about that in a blog about um, someone that you knew and that received some mentorship uh, while they were at a gas station, right? About encouraging them to go to college, something along that's those lines. That's right. That was for my husband <laughs> when he was a middle schooler. <laughs> yes. And, and he hadn't even thought about college because he grew up in a working class uh, neighborhood. And that's not what you did. You went to the steel workers. Uh, you became a steel worker. So, yeah, that planted the seed. So people are planting seeds, and we, we're doing it in one another all the time. So that's why you want to be in the right mindset of being open and compassionate because you're planting seeds wherever you go based on your kind of mood, your orientation, your perception, what kind of uh, mindset you're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the first step is finding a mentor or establishing a relationship with a mentor and then what about the next step and uh, just to say oh, sure. uh, just being open to mentorship maybe is this broader way of talking about it so it doesn't have to be a particular relationship because sometimes people have a hard time finding the mentor but just being open to being mentored by the universe, essentially. Mm -hmm. Right, which goes back to the quote at the beginning of the chapter about learning, <laughs> learning, learning, and learning to be a gift and learning to receive from others, right? So that that stance and that kind of um, that open disposition to be learning from others around you. Right. So then the second step would be to immerse yourself in a growth group, to be around people who want to grow, who are oriented to flourishing uh, to developing their spirits, their uniqueness, and providing their um, gifts to the world. And one place for that can be 12-step programs. I mean, sometimes they focus on the, the traumas and things, but there are ways to use these groups like the, um, well, there's different kinds out there, to use them as a, a source for growing uh, because we all need a community of, of support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe some other ideas might be um, found within religious communities or parenting groups or um, even certain types of book clubs, any group that um, is positive but that is a place that is supportive of growth. Yes, and then the third one is to learn through apprenticeship. Hmm. <coughs> right, which is in the sense of learning from um 
being immersed in a novice to expert relationship, right? So that someone has more experience than you is helping you in that process. That's right. And often the therapy, the therapeutic relationship is a place to have this kind of guided, immersed experience. If you have a therapist who's there to help you find yourself, essentially, they can help you develop the kind of skills or um, practices that help you follow your intuition, your deeper sense of self. Sometimes you have to clear up lots of traumatic um, rigmarole or the kind of hard hard, uh, crust that you've put around yourself, your intuition, and you have to break through that, which can be painful and take a while. But to have a sense that in that crusted heart or crusted self, there is a, a glowing light, a glowing you that is unique, that needs to be part of the world and part of our uh, creation, co-creation of who we become together. To, to hang on to that um, vision as you work through the painful pieces to get there. Hmm. Yes, and then the next step, you talk about self-authorship, right? Taking charge of your own development through self-authorship. And if you explain a little bit about that, but specifically thinking about how this requires the capacity to observe and guide your experiences, kind of reflecting upon them. Yes, so self-authorship is actually taking up the charge that you're going to foster yourself like you are a mentor to yourself. Hmm. So it's um, taking a kind of what we would say in in um, psychological or educational jargon, meta, <laughs> metacognition, a meta level of guiding yourself. So you're stepping outside yourself, lo- observing yourself, and kind of assessing what do you need to do to flourish? What do you need to do to grow your moral fitness? And having that... Um, external view of what you need and monitoring then how you're doing and, and making changes in your uh, goals and strategies. Hmm. Yeah, very, very interesting. And then the last one is restoring the web of life, right? So say a little bit about that, about how it can be difficult. Um, so you need emotional support in, or- in order to to make and do these steps, right? Yeah, so the web of life is to realize that you're not alone. Your ancestors brought you here. So you have back in time, vertically, you are connected to all of life. I had a guest speaker the other day in class, and he asked the students, do you sweat? And they said, yeah. Where does your sweat go? Into the air. And then what? It comes down in rain. Oh, so you are all over the earth now, aren't you? You know, so in a way, horizontally, We are, uh, and this is vertically, sorry, I got them mixed up. So vertically, we are connected already all over the place because our cells are being, are drifting off into the air. And, uh, you know, this is actually physiologically true uh, at the physical level of life, but it's also spiritually true. Uh, And then horizontally through the tree of life, we are connected to everything else. And so to realize you're not alone, that you're a part of this, you were in a way intended. You're the, these genes, these um, experiences that your ancestors had brought you about. And so that helps you realize there's a purpose. 
somewhere there's a purpose for me. And to find out what that is, that's that glowing jewel inside of you that will then be the reward of doing all this, these, making all these efforts to bring yourself back to your flourishing state. Mm. Yes, and I mean, it seems like that is really uh, something that we're challenged with more so than ever maybe in our culture now is just so many feeling isolated or not connected to the larger community within our neighborhoods or um, because maybe traumas have happened in the community, so afraid of more violence and feeling more disconnected. And so we as a as a country and as communities are really struggling with that. So it seems that um, that's something that we can all work on and just a relief, you know, wants to f- be able to feel that connection um, with our environment and with others around us. Let's just do one more thing. I think we'll have to cover the rest of the deep practices later in another podcast. But let me just say a little bit more of the self-directed authorship. You need to help yourself learn to go on the path that's going to lead you to your flourishing. And so you have to really immerse yourself in your um, possibilities, I think, possibilities for who you're going to become. So look and feel and sense what the options are for you. Maybe you wanted to be a basketball player, but, you know, you're only five feet tall. So, you know, maybe pick something else that's actually matches up with what your strengths are, what your, your basic capacities are and figure out where those um, places are to go that's going to foster those things that are attracting you. Uh, Joseph Campbell, the mythologist, used to say, follow your bliss. Hmm. So getting in tune with your intuitive, deeper heart sense is really your bliss. And if you follow that inner voice, it's going to lead you in a way that's going to foster flourishing in you, but then also the community. So it's the moral fitness approach is a step-by-step approach, but you have to get in tune with that voice and then start to practice the things in that area that you've selected. So whatever it is that's attracting you now, try to uh, reach that uh, whatever that hill top is, but you're going to have to get there by practicing all sorts of skills. If you're going to climb the mountain, you've got to get the equipment. You've got to get your body ready for it. You've got to do all sorts of things, get advice about what's the best way to get to the top of that mountain. And then you've got to practice all the things you need to do to get your body ready for it, practice procedures that are going to, uh, lead you to do it well and properly. And then, you know, practice until you're able to get up to that mountaintop. So there's ways to think about structuring your self-development in terms of immersing yourself in what it looks like, picking out the skills that you need to, to learn for that, uh, practicing the procedures of the sets of skills, and then doing it in different situations, which is what we, we talk about when we talk about ethical skills. So if you're learning how to cook, you want to watch cooks. You want to see what they do, and maybe you want to learn how to make soup. Well, then you're going to have to watch how to make soup. You've got to make the white sauce. You know, you've got to uh, roast the flour and add the the liquid slowly and um, with fat. And there's certain steps you have to do in order to make a good white sauce for the base of the soup. 
And then you want to, you know, learn how to mix that in with the vegetables or the meat or brown the meat and so on until you can make this kind of soup. And then you practice again to make that kind of soup. And then you, you build your skills little by little by little, expanding your repertoire. Hmm. No, oh, yeah, really fascinating. So it's a process and an ongoing process and one that takes continual skill development. That's what I hear you saying, correct? That's right. Yeah, so it's not learned all in one day. That's right. No, I, yeah, you want to be a master pianist. It's not going to happen next week. <laughs> yes, and another thing that brings to mind is you were talking about how it promotes your own flourishing, but also for those around you is the concept of the good for all or the common good. So not just uh, benefiting you and your life, but also as, as it becomes a gift right, to those around you as well. Right, and so that's that right hemisphere way of viewing the world where you feel connected, you know you're connected, and now how are you going to honor that connection and make sure that yourself is is developing in a way, is blossoming in a way that's actually honoring the connections that you have. Mm, yeah, very wise. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Narvaez, for that um, helpful teaching and description on moral fitness. We look forward to being with you next time. <laughs>